Hi, this is Joseph Winter from the movie Deadstream, and you're listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. episode number 295 tonight we're talking about 2023's the last voyage of the demeter um when your co-host todd we have joe we have steve boys how's it going steve went on a big trip joe and i did fancy football for the first week with horse squad podcast awesome steve how was your trip it was awesome like a really good time i went to halloween horror nights in orlando and it went for four days but you know in at Halloween Horror Nights did Disney for a little bit as well a great time I really love that event this year is considerably better than last year at least uh, as far as the houses go and everything like that for the ones that people would recognize I did Exorcist Believer Stranger Things uh, season four uh, Chucky Ultimate Kill Count The Last of Us and Universal Monsters Unmasked which focused on the lesser known Universal Monsters like Phantom of the Opera and uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame and stuff like that so Really good time, great houses for the most part, and uh, yeah, I had fun. And no Chucky Bucket. No Chucky Bucket. I looked <laughs> fucking everywhere. I, I, I should have known, like, I didn't see a, I saw one, I think, the whole time I was there. It was probably from last weekend. Uh, so I think it's just one of those things, you know, they're, they advertise these things, they sell it the first weekend, and then everyone's bummed for the rest of the two months they're doing this fucking event, so. Still got some merch, so uh, just not a Chucky bucket. Awesome. Uh, I also did something this weekend. I went to a horror convention, Silver Scream Con in Danvers, Massachusetts. This is their second year con. This is a second year con. They did the first, last year was their uh, pr- premiere one. It's put on by the band Ice Nine Kills, who I know a lot of you horror fans will know. They're sort of, I guess, a horror fans version of kiss where they kind of put on a whole theatrical horror performance they sing every single song is about horror movie a specific horror movie and stuff i did not go to the concert but for a second year comment it was very impressive like they they put it on they've definitely already outgrown their venue there and i hope they go bigger because i i they can do even more like currently like it's just at such a small hotel there's only like 20 vendors but they also got like 25 celebrities so the celebrities out uh numbered the vendors which is the first time i think i've ever seen that at a con they had a solid guest list i went just on friday just for it was basically a business trip because i had work that night um so i just you know went for a few hours got some celebs i need added to my big poster project i'm doing but i got tony todd who He's turning into Robert England, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to meet him, be prepared to wait. Like there's only like 20 people ahead of me in line, and I waited a little over an hour for him. I mean, good for him. Like he does, I mean, take his time with every single person and seemed like really genuinely like happy to interact with everyone and stuff like that. I, you know, I did not mention our our interview with him when I met him, but we talked, uh, what did we talk about? We talked about my poster mainly honestly he was like pretty interested in that but uh yeah i mean so be prepared to wait for tony if you want to meet him everyone else didn't wait uh, very long at all met dick warlock halloween 2 michael myers cj graham part 6 jason don shanks part 5 michael myers tom morga part 5 jason Voorhees. And Tommy Lee Wallace, who was probably my favorite person I met. Uh, he's one I've never had a chance to meet at a con before. All the others, I've seen them, hadn't met them before, but uh, Tommy Lee Wallace was great. He's done a lot. Uh, obviously, director of Halloween 3 and It, 
and also played Michael Myers in the original. Uh, he was the one that bashed through the infamous closet scene with Jamie Lee. He played Michael in that. And uh, I believe he also constructed, he was the one that kind of constructed the original Myers mask as well. So uh, a really interesting guy. We mainly talked about it, but we also talked a little bit about just how redeeming it feels for Halloween 3 to kind of, you know, finally get beloved by the horror fans and stuff like that. You know, he talked about how kind of sad and depressing it was after he made it, but uh, he said it just feels so good now. So it was really cool. And we talked a little bit about the spider stuff in uh, It, because uh, if you watch the It documentary that just came out last year, there was a lot of great stuff about that. So yeah, a good con. I talked to a volunteer. They're already saying they might move it next year to a bigger venue. So I would, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're local, I would definitely recommend it. If you're not local, maybe wait a little bit until it gets a little bigger, but good time overall. Very cool. Let me throw something at you guys. And I know both of you have ordered out for signatures, right? Different actors for different reasons. You know, sometimes they don't do cons. I was talking to my buddy TJ today and he got his Robert England signed during COVID through Robert England's website. And I'm like, that's kind of cool because like, the only reason I've never met him is because I don't want to wait like eight hours in a freaking line, you know? So he paid, I think, 80 bucks, which I think is pretty reasonable. But I went on the site today and for the low, low price of $125 plus shipping and handling, you can ship him an item and he'll ship it back. But what really got me is for $50 extra, he'll take a picture holding up the thing he signed. I don't, I don't know, man. What do you guys feel about that? I mean, it's outrageous. Unfortunately, that's just kind of how signatures and conventions have gone. I mean, obviously, we've all been going into conventions for the past 20 years. And if you recall, back in the day, you get an autograph, you get a photo for free. That is no longer the case. Although, shout out to most of the celebrities I met this weekend. Free photo with autograph. They're still doing it old school. But if you're obviously the bigger name celebrities, they're charging for a photo now. And it's it's a it's a thing I hate. You know, if you're paying for the autograph, you should get the photo for free. And that England thing is ridiculous. $50 just to take a, a photo of what you're saying. I know he's a very busy man, but if you're already charging $120 Gosh. for an autograph, you're already charging 120 bucks for an autograph, which is what he does charge at cons as well now, mm. um, which is fucking insane. You know, Kiefer Sutherland wasn't even that much, and he's a much bigger, bigger draw. But yeah, just crazy, man. It's nuts. Yeah, and, and not not just that, but I'm noticing more and more that people are charging extra for everything, like uh, adding the name, the character name to the poster, or you know, having your your name on it, or having like. Okay, if it's one to 10 words, it's this price. If it's more than 10 words, it's this price. Like for a long time, if you're paying for the autograph, they kind of do anything you wanted, you know, uh, just there. But more and more, and it's not like an extra 10 bucks. It's like sometimes an extra fucking 30, 40 bucks for each of those things. It's getting ridiculous, man. It's getting out of hand. What do you guys think needs to happen for these prices to go back down to? 2006 levels like, never horde horde to fall off the map or have a have a bad a, decade or what do you think it's just the it's never gonna ha it's just conventions are just so incredibly popular now and you know back in the day you weren't getting a-list celebrities uh, you know not even b-plus celebrities to attend these horror conventions and now you're getting a-listers to come to these conventions so and the fans are paying you know right like england at one point was 30 bucks for an autograph and then he went up to 50. Then he went up to 80. Then he went up to 100. Now he's at 120. And guess what? His line ain't getting any shorter. It's only getting longer. So if as long as the fans keep paying it and 
you know, they're going to keep raising their prices. So really it's like fans stop lining up, but obviously how, you know, you're going to a convention, you're probably going to pay it. Yeah. I mean, plus you run the risk of, you know, we talked about it probably a week or two ago where we regret not getting certain actors and then they die. He's not getting any younger. So it's like, do I pay 125 bucks now? That hurts my wallet eight hours out of my day. Or do I risk him not being alive in the next, you know, five, 10 years and I miss him completely. Then it's like, yeah, it sucks. They got all the power. I mean, good for them, obviously making money, but still, gosh, damn, it's a lot of money. No, it is. And I'm meeting him next weekend. Hopefully we'll see how the infamous line is. Yeah. I got to get him on the poster, man. He's Uh, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, I thought for sure when I met him a year and a half ago, it'd be the last time I'd ever have to stand in a Robert England line and I'm not looking forward to it, but uh, shout out Terracon and Terracon next weekend in Marlboro, Massachusetts. They did give us press passes for this con. So anyone local to the area, it's a, they have a massive nightmare on Elm Street reunion. Pretty much like every, an actor from every single uh, movie is going to be there along with Robert, Heather, Lance Henriksen's going to be there. It's a pretty impressive guest list, I got to say. So I'm excited. I'm going to add Lance to my, uh, under my pumpkin head part of the posters. Yeah, we should we should also just quickly mention that we are supposed to review Arachnophobia uh, this week for those who are like, oh no, that's that's not what I you know pre-watched for this episode. Uh, we will do Arachnophobia in like two weeks. We just saw that this movie came out on VOD and it's one we wanted to review, so it's still coming. Uh, you can see our schedule over on uh, Discord. I posted it recently, and uh, yeah, we got a lot of. It's going to be a great fucking like little run here that we got going. We got. Uh, you know, the Nun 2 next week. We got uh, Saw X coming. We got Exorcist Believer coming. A lot of heavy hitters. So I'm looking forward to, well, always this time of year, right? September, October, it's always an exciting time of year. So yeah, just thought I'd mention it before we go ahead and uh, spill the tea. Oh, you want the tea? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't serve tea. Nope. Instead, you get a cup of Joe. And now here's Joe with the news. Alrighty, thank you so much, Chuck. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This is your cup of Joe for the week. Let's start off with Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen. Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. The trailer has finally dropped for it. It is going to be coming later this year, November 17th, 2023. Of course, fittingly, right before Thanksgiving. For those of you who don't know this backstory... Uh, over 15 years ago, a little movie called Grindhouse came out where Eli Roth did a little spoof trailer in between. It was Quentin Tarantino's and Robert Rodriguez's uh, double feature movie. And Eli Roth did a fun little Thanksgiving trailer in between the movies. It kind of took on a cult following after that. And we are finally getting a feature length movie for it. It is complete, ready to go. The trailer's out. I think we all watched it. What'd you guys think of the Thanksgiving trailer? I mean, yeah, I love the original and I'm hoping this one is cool. It's kind of obvious already who the killer is, right? Like <laughs> from that trailer, at least at least to me. So I'm going to call it right now that the fucking dad figure or whoever, he plays the um one of the hunters or killers or whatever in the first hostile movie that talks to the, the dude in the locker room. I'm calling it, he's a killer. But yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't have high hopes. I hope it's fun. Over the top, ridiculous, and bloody. If you if you deliver on all four of those, I think it would be fun. Yeah, I, I'll definitely watch it. Uh, I would. Yeah, you know, I'm a little bit excited for it, but the trailer itself didn't particularly like wow me in any way. 
I thought it was short. It showed some cool kills, but uh, it's going to be a wait and see approach for me on this one. It's not like a trailer that I'm like, oh my god, that was amazing. You know, it's just okay. I'll I'll watch it. But what happened to his Borderlands movie? I thought that was announced like four years ago. Yeah, I think is it a TV show now? So oh, it I is. Yeah, I uh. think so. Yeah, I don't know. It's you know, COVID yeah. and strikes and that's right. knows anymore. Yeah, and I think it looks really fun. I mean, we don't have enough Thanksgiving themed horror movies, so this could be one. Definitely, you add to your rotation of this and Thanksgiving every single Thanksgiving night. And so, Blood Rage. And Blood Rage, yes, of course. As long as we don't have to watch The Pilgrim again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like The Pilgrim. <laughs> but all right, yeah, we'll uh, probably something we'll end up reviewing, I'm sure. So keep an eye on that. It will be uh, releasing right before Thanksgiving. Alrighty, next bit of news here is the power of Taylor Swift continues, ladies and gentlemen, as the exorcist believer has been pushed up in order to not compete with Taylor Swift's Errors Tour theater release. Um, she announced she is going to be releasing her Errors Tour uh, on October third, Friday, October 13th weekend, and because of that, the Exorcist said we ain't competing with that as she has already sold more pre-sale tickets than Avengers Endgame. Um, oh, so that, yeah, so Crazy. the Swifties have come out in full force and Exorcist said, uh-uh, along with a couple other movies as well, but for horror fans, the Exorcist believer, so it is moving up a week to October 6th. Even Jason Blum uh, made a little quip about that. So, you know, you know, the Exorcist fans shake it off as Taylor Swift would say, and go in a week earlier to October 6th now to see Exorcist Believer, which I gotta say, I'm pretty excited about. You know, I was on the fence about it, but the more times I keep seeing this trailer when I go to theaters, I think this potentially could be really good. And Steve, did it make you more excited now that you went through the Exorcist house? Was there any sort of maybe teasers or mini spoilers going through that house? So if I had to guess, I would say that they based the house off the trailer rather than the movie, probably on purpose, knowing that, well, at the time that the movie was going to come out two weeks before Halloween Horror Nights ended. So it was cool. It was a really cool house. It was actually one of my favorite houses that I did. Surprisingly, it was just, I just like the Exorcist vibe. It's basically, uh, they showed the same room over it like three or four times. It was the hospital room or the, the bedroom with the two girls. And it would get progressively like worse in there, you know, like, uh, just more blood and more things thrown about and stuff like that. And yeah, it was really cool. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. And if you want to hear, I forgot to mention this before, but if you want to hear my full breakdown of Halloween Horror Nights, I'm going to post it on our YouTube channel because we do have a YouTube channel. I just never talk about it. Uh, so the Horror Squad podcast and I'll have uh, my top 10, essentially. I'm going to rate the 10 houses that I did and have another video with like merch I bought and all that stuff. So check it out. I think Steve's getting back into YouTube. It's like the second video. Yeah, I did two videos. <laughs> I know, second video, bud. Getting, uh, you getting itch again? Not really. <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually doing better than I thought it would overall, like our whole YouTube channel. Like people are actually watching it with very little effort. But technically, I've been putting out videos for the last like two and a half years every single week. It just, I never mentioned it. But, but it's there if people want to check it out. Awesome. All right. Next bit of news here is a quick little shout out to Talk to Me, a movie we discussed a little on what watch. Maybe one we'll end up covering fully once it hits VOD. 
But uh, it has now topped Hereditary as A24's highest grossing horror film. So that is quite a big feat. So congratulations to talk to me. Currently sitting at my number one, I think it's on the fence, but it's definitely one of my favorites of the year so far. So I definitely recommend everyone to go check it out and probably one we'll end up covering. All right. Also, shout out to The Nun 2 this week as it shattered box office expectations, taking in $85 million globally, as well as around uh, $35 million here in North America. So pretty damn well the nun continues to reign supreme we'll be getting a third i'm sure i already saw it something we are going to be covering it next week i believe it is so yeah if you haven't seen the nun 2 yet go and check it out for next week uh also a little beetlejuice 2 update of course with the strike the release date of september of next year obviously up in the air most likely not going to happen however tim burton said hold on because the movie, he revealed that the movie is 99% done. He's uh, The movie, 99% filmed. He said literally they only have a day and a half left of filming. He also went on to say, I tried to strip everything and go back to the basics on this movie, working with good people and actors and puppets. Uh, it was kind of like going back to why I liked making movies. So hopefully... No CGI in this. It sounds like he's going to go a lot of practical and stop motion and stuff like the original movie. But uh, yeah, so keep an eye out. Maybe it won't be a massive delay. Maybe we'll get it next October. Who knows? Let's see how long this strike goes on. Hopefully sooner rather than later because um, it's going to mess up a lot of stuff. I know Dune already got pushed back for you you Dune lovers and whatnot, so... And I, I, I did see the house in person. I went to the town, saw the house, saw the bridge. Right. So that's all stuff they could have CGI'd, and they didn't. <laughs> it was all practical. It's amazing. It looked great, and I, I'm actually really excited about it. I think it could be a fun movie. I'm all excited right. to see how they explain Lydia having the same haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Some people just commit, man. Like, I guess. You know, like, it happens. I, I, I don't know. I've been bald with a goatee since like 2004. <laughs> you know, like so. Yeah, but you gotta like work with what you got. That's like hers is the specific. I'm gonna do the bang thing. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's her signature look. You know, some people got it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Calling all Freddy fans. A new Freddy fan film has released over on YouTube. You can watch it completely for free. Now, I usually wouldn't put this in. The news uh, being... Uh, I produced a- that, Joe. Thank you. Oh, all right. All right, Todd. <laughs> I'm surprised considering uh, how much of a new nightmare hater you are. But the new Freddy fan film is called Dylan's New Nightmare. And it does star, of course, the original Dylan, Nico Hughes. I have not had the chance to check it out yet, but I'm definitely want to ch- probably going to check it out this week. And I will give my review on what watched next week. But yeah, you can watch it completely free over on YouTube. I'm hearing good things about it. So uh, go check it out. Give it some love. Of course, Robert England not playing Freddy in this one, but I heard the guy who does play Freddy does a pretty solid job uh, for a fan film. All right, next bit of news here. Just, uh, I think, two more stories. Yeah, two more stories to get through here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This one, the trend continues, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we got Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, recently this year, which the sequel has already been announced and is already in filming, by the way, in case you haven't seen it. There's the mask of the, uh, they've changed the look. Winnie the Pooh looks more feral in this new one. So I think they listened to maybe our notes on the podcast. But uh, so we had Winnie the Pooh, of course, 
We had the Grinch going evil. Well, now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have Mary Had a Little Lamb, the horror movie. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. It is coming. Mary Had a Little Lamb. Here is the synopsis. A radio host and her crew set out to, to discover the truth behind some disappearances for a true crime show. They will soon learn that there is far more to discover when they meet Mary and her lamb. Who will make it out alive of this house of horrors? Mary Had a Little Lamb will be arriving on DVD and digital on October 3rd. I will post the poster in our Discord, but if Steve and Todd maybe can see a poster here, it uh, looks like uh, quite a terrifying lamb. Looks like a buff uh, lamb. And yeah, a buff <laughs> lamb with a axe, a bloody axe in the poster. Like I said, I'll post this over on our Discord in the behind-the-scenes channel, but could be fun. Maybe. I don't know. Probably I mean, not. <laughs> there's a bunch of these things on Tubi already. <laughs> I was just like... Yeah, it looks like a Tubi movie, to be honest, without even <laughs> like the poster is great. Movie's going to suck. And it's one of those things. So I'll more still, than likely, I'll still watch it. <laughs> of course. All right. And the final bit of news here tonight is calling all Conjuring fans and Ed and Lorraine Warren fans as Netflix has announced they are going to be releasing a documentary titled Devil on Trial, which actually um, is, of course, inspired by the Conjuring 3 case where demonic possession was used as a defense case. This will be uh, the real-life true story of that. So the de- here's a little plot a synopsis. The Devil on Trial explores the first and only time demonic possession has officially been used as a defense, including first-hand accounts of alleged devil possession and a shocking murder. This extraordinary story forces reflection on the fear of the unknown. So that will be releasing on Netflix October 17th of this year. So check it out. I definitely will. And that is it for horror news this week. Nice. What watched? What you guys got watched? I got one this week. One I watched um, a couple weeks ago, but didn't have the chance to mention it. This I watched based on Steve's recommendation, and the movie is a 2023 release titled Nefarious. Now, Nefarious stars Sean Patrick Flannery, for you people who may be fans of Boondock Saints, is what I probably know him best from. But I know he's peeked around on quite a lot of stuff. Powder as well. Well, you shout out you Powder fans out there back in the 90s. <laughs> um, but Nefarious, it's about a a guy who is set to be executed. So the last sort of stand is, I don't know if they really do this or not. It seems kind of like far-fetched to me, but like, they're like, okay, like this guy's already been convicted. He's ready to be put to death on this day. But before we can execute him, we got to bring in a psychiatrist to make sure that he's not clinically like insane essentially which i feel like they probably already would have did this a long time ago but whatever let's just go with it for the movie's sake but yeah so the psych basically this psychologist comes in and you know this guy claims that he is possessed by a demon and that's basically the movie um it's sort of like a back and forth between this psychologist and this uh prisoner and they kind of sit there for almost you know, an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes of the runtime, just kind of going back and forth 
about whether this guy's a demon or not. You know, the sort of gets into a lot of uh, social commentary about, you know, religion and abortion. It, it deals with a lot of uh, sort of social issues as well throughout the movie. And overall, it, it's really not that bad of a movie. For me, though, I just didn't jive with some of the messaging in the movie. I feel like it definitely had a agenda. It just kind of tried to stuff down your throat at times, which I, you know, I, I know horror is can be very political, but for me, when it's that heavy handed, it, it gets to be a little too much for me. But overall, like Sean Patrick Flannery, just an amazing performance here for a movie where two guys are sitting there talking at a table for 90% of the movie. I was never really bored. I was always kind of interested in what was going on with Sean Patrick, especially Sean Patrick Henry. Like he, I agree with Steve. He definitely is one of my favorite performances of the year, uh, horror wise. So I would say I gave it two and a half out of five, but I would give it a mild recommend. I do think there is some really good performances here and some interesting stuff. And I think other people will probably enjoy this more than me. So um, that is Nefarious. 2023 release you can check it it's not free anywhere currently but you can check it out uh, vod cool all right my first one is a film steve and i associate produced and it's called debbie does demons from the director of uh fan fan favorite the shark exorcist one and two which will come out eventually also produced by steve and i yeah, I'll be honest. I turned this one off after about 25 minutes. Uh, Debbie Does Demons has a loose plot about a hot witch back in the day that somehow comes back to modern days and is looking for like a, a witch hunter that wronged her and blah, blah, blah. If you've seen these Tubi movies that are that are made on an ultra low budget, you know what you're getting. If you watch Shark Exorcist, you know what you're getting already. And I have respect for it, you know, like it's hard to make stuff. It's hard to make films, hard to write books, things like that. And this one, you know, you, you work with what you get, unfortunately extremely low budget also brings you extremely bad or rough editing and sound and uh, cinematography and acting things like that so if you're into ultra low budget movies that will be on tubi like steve is and also a bonus for the guys and girls out there there's a lot of breasts in this one as well that come out of nowhere and i'm all for it that's w does demons i gave it a one and a half out of five on litterbox pretty generous score for uh Something you watched 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, the boobs were there, so you know, I gotta, <laughs> gotta rate. Plus, I did yeah, take I a picture of my name in the <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. It's like it's fun, it's fun though, man. I can't wait to get Shark's Exorcist 2 and then uh, Dylan's New Nightmare 2. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome, yeah, for sure. All right, my first one is a movie that I watched over on Netflix. It is a Japanese film by the name of Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead. So this is a movie I heard absolutely nothing about. It was just recommended to me on Netflix, and I needed something for my trip to download onto my iPad, and I chose this, went in completely blind. It's about a guy, and he gets a job that he really wanted in some kind of like movie production office, and he's super happy about it. It seems to be his dream job, but then he realizes that he has to work basically day and night, the director is always on his ass for all sorts of like menial jobs, like doing photocopies and shit like that. And he's absolutely miserable. And after a year, he just can't take it anymore. He's having a hard time even getting up to get to work. He doesn't clean his house, like his apartment anymore. 
but he gets a saving grace in that the zombie apocalypse happens and he realizes, hey, I don't have to go to work anymore. So he's probably the most happy person ever that the zombie apocalypse happened. He's like super joyful. He's doing all these crazy things. And then he thought to himself, you know what? I'm going to write a list of a hundred things that I want to do before I die and can do now that the zombie apocalypse happened. So it's basically about this guy who's running through his list of like ridiculous things that he wants to do during the apocalypse. But of course he meets other characters during his trek and things don't always go the way that he expected. And that's basically the gist of the movie. This is typical for Asian zombie films. If you've seen any stuff like Train to Busan, Hashtag Alive, there was the TV show, I think All of Us Are Dead or something like that. It's fast zombies. They turn really quickly. They're absolutely fucking brutal. A lot of blood, a lot of gore, a lot of zombies. But this one definitely takes a more of a um, fun approach to it. It's it's kind of ridiculous at times. And that might throw people off because it does go to really ridiculous places. Uh, it's based off an anime, if I understood correctly. So that explains a lot of what uh, they're doing in this film. I fucking loved it. It was so much fun. Uh, I just love, you know, Asian zombies. They're, I think they're in a class in, in their own right there now it's like the best zombie stuff coming out is asian zombies and i just had a great time it is a tad too long which is an, you know a problem that we run into a lot with movies nowadays i find but i would highly recommend it it's definitely not for everyone because like i said it does get really ridiculous if you've seen anything anime you know that sometimes they uh they go off the wall a little bit but it's so worth it just to see what I'm going to call the final boss of this uh, story, it's fucking wild. I I had a smile the entire time that that final boss fight was happening. So that's ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead, over on Netflix. And it's 2023, so another one for the yearly list. I have one that I've hated for since the original time I saw it, you know, 15 plus years ago, which I have now done a complete 180 against... And that's Return of the Living Dead Part 2. I hated it when it came out or when I when I saw it on DVD a while ago because, honestly, I don't know why. I think it's because I was trying to compare it to the original Return of the Living Dead, which is a masterpiece. And this one is just, you know, worse on every level. But seeing it from a different perspective or giving it time, it's still pretty fucking cool. Like, the zombies are cool, just not as good as Part 1. Characters are solid, just not as good as Part 1, and so on and so on and so on with everything. So... Man, like, Return of the Living Dead definitely grew on me. One of the weird things is it has repeating characters from the original film, and that's Tom Matthews, and I forget whose name is too, but who plays his boss in um, You Need a Medical Supply. They're returning in this one too, but in this one they're gravediggers, and they're pretty much the same plot, where they're gravediggers, the trioxin is released, and they become zombies, and they're slow, like, turn or whatever. But um, like I said, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm glad I rewatched it because it's pretty cool. That's Return of the Dead Part 2. I don't think it's it's probably streaming. It says available on YouTube. Excellent. I, I can't find it for the life of me. It's you know I watched 1 and 3 and Necropolis not too long ago, <laughs> and I cannot find 2 for the life of me. So. You just, you just got to buy the, the yeah, Blu-ray at this point. I guess so. Um, all right. My last one this week is another 2023 film that I also watched, I believe, on Netflix. And that is the Spanish film called killer book club 
So this is about eight students in a school. They're part of a book club. They write mainly horror, except for the protagonist, who doesn't seem to like horror as much. But their goal is essentially to not only do book reviews, but they're also like future authors. And they're trying to kind of craft their uh, skills for uh, future writing and stuff like that. And they have a professor there who's like some kind of successful author. And he gets a message from the protagonist, the main female, that uh, she wants to meet him in his chambers and might be willing to do a little bit more than study with him. So he invites her in and he starts, you know, kind of hitting on her and trying to get into the mood and everything. He locks the door. But little does she know, or little does he know, she doesn't know about this. Someone else actually wrote that message for essentially to trap her. And he goes into, you know, tries to do some bad things, doesn't end up doing it, thankfully, and she escapes the room. And then the story picks off where the eight people decide that they want to kind of get back at him for uh, what he had done to her. And they accidentally kill him in the process. So basically they put on some like clown masks and want to scare him, but he falls off like a rail and onto a statue and gets impaled. So the story takes place a little bit later where they're starting to get text messages in their killer book club, like Discord or chat group, uh, saying basically like, I know what you did last summer type of deal. And it's the story of them trying to figure out who it is. And then they figure out it's someone from the book club because it can't be anyone else. And it's basically a who did the murder, you know, as they slowly dwindle down in numbers because they get killed one by one. Uh, This movie kind of felt like a mix of I Know What You Did Last Summer, Scream, and Happy Death Day. It has a really pleasant aesthetic. Like, it's very colorful. Uh, The university that they filmed at is, like, a good setting for everything. I actually liked the cast a lot. I thought they were compelling and everything like that. But despite the kind of three, like, really good... Well, Scream's a really good movie. The other two, whatever. (laughs) They're not bad, I guess. This one felt generic, like it didn't improve on any of the stuff that they kind of copied from. And the twist was one of those twists, which I fucking it's one of my biggest pet peeves in horror. When the twist happens, they they must monologue about explaining the twist for like five to ten minutes. If you need to explain the fucking twist for five to ten minutes, then your twist is not good. You know, your twist should be kind of self-explanatory, in my opinion. You know, you think of Saw. Uh, you, you didn't have like John Kramer fucking get up and then explain for five minutes what he had done. You know, you got a, like kind of a really quick shots of what happened throughout the film that led to that conclusion. But he doesn't fucking monologue with what was it? Was it um, Urban Legend that had like a fucking presentation? PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, PowerPoint <laughs> presentation. Like it, it was almost that in this movie. And I fucking hate that. So despite that, still a decent film. I gave it uh, three stars out of five. So that's Killer Book Club over on netflix cool all right and i'm super excited i did i'm not gonna talk about them i'll save for next week but i did they live in theaters and i got christine on wednesday so i'm pumped it's be cool yeah so you're gonna have a carpenter what watch next week carpenter what watch yep That's awesome. all right trivia time we are in quarter number three myself todd and lee with 19 uh joe in second place with 12 and steve in third with 10 any man's game still who would like to lead off today? I'll go. 
just because I, I have it ready. <laughs> uh, all right. My first one, as I do all the time these days, is guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide. First nice. one, as always, sex and nudity. Uh, yeah. Inside the building, a man pays for a private strip dance. He stuffs some tissues in the front of his pants, below screen, with the intention to masturbate. However, his plans are stopped before anything scandalous can happen. Okay, we got a masturbator and a... Oh, I'm just, I'm going to give you guys a, a hint for the whole, my all my trivia. They're all Masturbation related? <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're all vampire-themed movies. So that should, help, that should help you a little bit. Vampire-themed masturbator. Got it. <laughs> Profanity. 28 F-words, two sexual references, eight anatomical terms, one use of cunt, one use of oh. bastard, one use of son of a bitch, uh, several racist remarks, and nearly a dozen use of goddamn. Oh, my word. <laughs> Very nice. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. In a scene, a rugged drug dealer does business with a street-walking prostitute. She snorts the drugs he gives her as she walks off. The dealer then offers to do business with another person, but is stopped. Uh, frightening intense scenes. The vampires and excessive blood and gore could be frightening to some. The film's villain's uh, physical appearance is very frightening and intense, especially when he bites people. The final fight scene is very violent and intense. Okay, the last one is probably the biggest giveaway of all of them. I actually, right. I actually skipped over this one because it was too much of a giveaway. Violence and gore. Reapers have large scars on their chins, gray eyes, no hair, gray skin, and we can see their veins showing on their skin. No fucking clue. I yeah, and that sounds like extremely familiar. Now that um, Reapers, uh, um, no, we watched this. I feel like maybe even for the pod. No, no, okay. Then I watched this movie recently. Is it um powder? <laughs> powder too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, is it um? Oh, I lost it. It's a fucking powder joke. <laughs> you guys give up? Is it I, uh, uh, Daywalkers? No. No. Yeah, Thirty Days a Night. Wrong. So the answer was Blade Two. Uh, I never seen it. Really. Oh, fuck, it's so good. Dude, two is amazing. I've only seen one, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, two is a... It's it's like pure horror. It's it's great. It's got your boy Daryl Dixon in it, right? It does. And Ron Perlman. Nice. Ron Perlman's back? Isn't he dying in part one? (laughs) Is he in part one? Is he in part one? No, I'm thinking about the... Chris Chris Christopherson? Maybe. maybe He's back in the second one. Oh. Okay. I'll go. Fangoria the Magazine number one. Featured what on its cover? Oh God, I saw. Um, it's a great question. I saw a picture they, of it not too long ago, or I saw a comic book band did an episode. On... That was a good show. I like that show. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Where they like sold it. What was it? Though? Yeah. And while you guys are thinking, for those that um, are still in Fangoria, they are bringing back a bunch of their vaults magazines and they had fangoria number one for sale and they got snatched up obviously nice i don't fucking remember that i'll go like nightmare on all street part two 
Correct. Are you looking for like the movie or are you looking for just like a character? Uh, movie, character, whatever they had on it. Okay. Uh, let's go with. I'm going to go with Leatherface. Incorrect. The answer is Godzilla. Oh, that was my second guess. Mm. I, I, I bet I, I'm like, that doesn't feel right, but yeah. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. My trivia is all vampire related uh, nice. movies as well. So, all right. Here we go. IMDb. I will give you details of the movie okay. and you try to guess it. So, this movie released in 1992. Stars Richard E. Grant, Carrie Elwes, Billy Campbell, and Sadie Frost. I am negating some of the bigger actors. Sure. <laughs> no. The director, this might give it away, Francis Ford Coppola. Interview with the vampire? Uh, interview with Incorrect. the vampire? Incorrect. Francis Ford Coppola did a horror. Too early. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. If you want to get another okay. guess, Todd, you can. Sure. Uh, okay. Do you want? Do you have another guess? If not, I'll give you some. I'll give you another actor in the movie. Um. No, another actor, please. Okay, I'll go. The next biggest, Keanu Reeves. Oh, Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Correct. Nice. That's right. Coppola did that. He's got that accent in that one. Oh my god, it's like one of the worst performances <laughs> ever. And I love Keanu Reeves, but goddamn, that performance is terrible. Oh boy. Like Gary Oldman though. See me. Yeah. Yeah. Also won three Oscars. Did it really? For what? Yeah. Probably makeup and uh, let's like, see. It won design and makeup it accents. Won. It and... won best best makeup, best costume design, yeah. and best effects, sound editing. Makes nice. Sense. Okay. <laughs> Because the movie's pretty boring. I watched it not too, too long <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, so. not really that huge fan, but... Yeah. All right. Guess the movie just based off the plot. I'm going to read the plot, Ooh. and you tell me which vampire movie it is. Remember? Vampire movies, okay, yes. Yeah. A group of thieves break into a chamber expecting to find paintings, but instead they release the Count himself, who traveled to New Orleans to find the nemesis' daughter, Mary Van Helsing. Ugh. Sounds familiar. Is it? Is <laughs> it called? Sure. Is it just Van Helsing? No. With no, with uh, Hugh Jackman. Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> mm, yeah, I can't. It sounds really familiar, but yeah, you guys have mentioned it before, so I know you. I, mean, I think you've both seen it. I saw it in the theaters. I think. Stealing oh. paintings and they release Dracula himself. Yeah, the paintings and thing sounds really familiar, but I can't right. put it. Can't place it. Uh, you guys give up? Yeah. yeah. It is Dracula 2000. 2000? Mm. Fuck. Mm -hmm. All right. Back of Blu ray. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. There's no tagline for this. Okay. Trapped in a violent, controlling relationship with a wealthy scientist, Cecilia escapes in the dead of night and disappears into hiding. But when her abusive ex suddenly dies, Cecilia suspects his death. His death was a hoax. It's a tough night right now. <laughs> All right, I'll continue. As a series of eerie coincidences turn lethal, threatening the lives of those she loves, 
Cecilia's sanity begins to unravel. And I'll leave it there because it gives away. This is on your this is on your guys' top ten. Oh. Within the last five years. Cecilia? Yeah. Oh, the invisible man. Correct. Oh, right. Oh yeah, I'd not I wouldn't guess that. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. Oh wait, I gotta put your point in. There you go. Let the right one in. Was remade as an American remake. What was the title? Let me in. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Both right. good. Both good. Yeah. Guess the movie based off the IMDb like trivia and all that kind of stuff. I think they yeah. called. Uh, Did you know? Did you know? I actually have two trivia's because that fir the first one I just couldn't pass up. Even though it doesn't give you anything, it's just too funny not to mention. And then I'll get to the real stuff. Yeah. Or maybe maybe you do know about this. Who knows? It's still a vampire movie. According to associate producer and casting director Marcia Schulman, in order to get turned on, the main actor asked to have hot yogurt poured over his toes while he was doing a love scene with the main actress. Hot yogurt? Yeah. What the hell? That's hot. Just I I had to put that out there because, jeez, vampire movie okay. has hot yogurt on toes. Very important. Wow. Still trivia. <laughs> the main character eats a cockroach in this movie. Something it's in which Bram Stoker's Dracula lore is usually the domain of Renfield. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is quotes. I never misfiled anything. Not once. Not one time. Uh, this is Goofs. The film portrays Peter shooting himself in the mouth and then remaining unharmed because the gun is loaded with blanks. However, this action would actually cause severe injury or death since a gun loaded with blanks will fire compressed gas with the force of the bullet. And last one, uh, the soundtrack, Moody, performed by ESG. Man. Um, Blade Three. Wrong. Oh, I'm not getting nothing. <laughs> All right. So the freak we're talking about was Nicolas Cage, and uh, eating off Jennifer Beals as eating off. It's um, eating off. Ooh. Yeah, a vampire's kiss. Or vampire's kiss. Wait, wait, wait. He needed yogurt to get turned on with Jessica yeah. Beals. So here, here's the full quote. According to associate producer and casting director Mar Mar Marcia Schulman, in order to get turned on, Cage asked to have hot yogurt poured over his toes while he was doing a love scene with Jennifer Beals. What the hell? <laughs> Super weird, man. I know. But hey, whatever. I heard anybody. All right. I thought you guys would think uh, it was uh, Quentin Tarantino with uh, uh, <laughs> from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Brian Krause and, and Alice Krieg star in this terrifying tale of modern-day vampires who prey on virtuous young women. Madchen Amik is a sexually curious virgin who falls for the new boy in school, played by Brian Krause, only to learn too late that he's a life-sucking sleepwalker. And I just gave you the fucking title of the movie, Sleepwalker. Sleepwalkers. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> All right, I'm going I'm, I'm to look around the room. Love right. Alice Creed. Um, orange hair. Four clues. Oh. Orange hair. 
Carrot top. <laughs> Orange hair. Orange yeah. hair. Little boy clothing. Oh, uh, Chucky. It's uh, yes, uh, yes, Chucky. <laughs> Chucky yeah. All right. Three letterbox reviews. Guess the movie. Ladies, when we say we like guys who look pale and sleep deprived, this is what we mean. Twilight. Twilight. Incorrect. Oh, we're both oh, we're both yeah. still in the game though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now I don't get this reference, but maybe you guys do. This had the most likes on the letterboxed uh, review okay. of this movie. Mm-hmm. I only watched this to understand the SpongeBob reference. <laughs> okay. And number three. This one might give it away. I cannot even imagine what the audience thought of this film when it released. I have to believe more than one person ran out of the theater screaming. Hell, people were barely used to watching films alone, let alone see this fucking freak looking at you. Freak? This fucking freak looking at you. Vampires. It's not the Lost Boys, though? Incorrect. Hell skin, this is what we want or talking about. Not Edward. Um There's a bit of a clue in that review. Let me repeat it. Say it again, say it again. I cannot even imagine what the audience thought of this film when it released. I have to believe more than one person ran out of the theater screaming. Hell, people were barely used to watching films, let alone see this fucking freak looking at you. Is it Freak Show? Incorrect. Is oh, it, man. uh, yeah, I, I, the Vampire. I have no idea. Incorrect. The big hint there was people were used to barely watching films. That would be 1922's Nosferatu. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Great film, though. Interesting. Yeah, very, very good performance. <laughs> oh, rough night. Well, Steve got two. <laughs> two for Steve, one for Joe and I, which uh, leaves me at 20. With uh, Joe in second with 13, Steve in third with 12. All right. The Last Voyage of the Debater, directed by Mr. Andre Overdahl from 2023. Currently in theaters. Well, maybe not. It's been taken out. But on VOD, The Legend of Dracula is born. The crew of the merchant ship Demeter attempts to survive the ocean voyage from Carpathia to London as they are stalked each night by a merciless presence on board the ship. So our film starts off with some English guys running around saying, oh, wake up the constable, there's been a shipwreck on the shore. Constable goes to the fucking shore where there's like this old timey boat, whatever, crashed against the rocks. And one of the cops is like, I can't go back in there. I just can't. He's like, what's wrong with you? I, 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 I don't want to go back. And then we kind of realize that the fucking ship is a shit show and it's and it's been sunk and it's fucking broken up on the shore and all that crap. So flash forward, we are going around with this doctor who's an African-American gentleman, a black gentleman, trying to get on board a ship to take him back to England because he tried out being a doctor here in Carpathia. It's not working out. He wants to go back to London. Meanwhile, the Demeter is looking for crew because they got 40 boxes of shit. That they're going to get paid handsomely to take back to England. They don't know who the fucking boss is. Locals are acting weird because there's like weird dragon carvings and paintings or whatever on the boxes. So they're all freaking out. Long story short, the black gentleman links up with the dudes on the boat. And eventually they uh, make sail towards London. 
but things are afoot. This, you know, strange things start happening on the ship. There's mists that fucking roll in, uh, and then eventually one of the hands goes fucking missing. And they're like, there's someone else on board the ship. No, there's not. You're fucking lying, blah, blah, blah. There's a captain, Mr. C- Sir Davos from uh, Game of Thrones on there. There's a supporting cast of different Englishmen, and I think a Russian guy at one point, and things like that, a little kid walking around. And we are with this crew as crew members start getting bumped off. And they're wondering who the hell is causing it. Is it famine? Is it fucking some creature on board? We don't know. We'll find out. I had pretty high hopes for this, man, because it looked pretty cool in the trailers. I really liked the look of what they're going with. And overall, I think it was a miss, but I still enjoyed the film for what it was. I was really into like the set pieces and like the music and the, um, uh, the mist effect and things like that. But I feel like they kind of had some like easily fixed issues that we can talk about later. But overall... A miss for me. Yeah, pretty much on board with you there, Todd. I too was really looking forward to this. The, the trailer looked amazing. I remember when I saw it in theaters. I think this movie definitely suffers a little bit from its title as well. You know, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, you have no idea that this is a Dracula movie, honestly, like based on the title. So I think that's what really killed it in theaters. I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect. Watching this, I kind of wish I hadn't watched the Dracula miniseries last year because they have an episode that is almost identical to this, obviously, uh, version of the story. Um, I've never really re- I didn't read Dracula, so I don't I'm not familiar with the whole tale. But um, I kind of feel like I was watching that movie over again, although this movie is a lot better. I guess I mean, the movie looks great. I mean, it's you know, the cinematography is great. The you know, the boat looks awesome the acting is is top notch uh, you know all around uh, the whole supporting cast and our main uh character here the doctor character who's uh cory hawkins is the actor there and andre overdahl great director i mean i really enjoyed troll hunter and i enjoyed autopsy of jane doe which is my favorite of his and he also did scary stories to tell in the dark from uh, a couple years ago as well so you know it was put in the hands of the right director and stuff like that where this movie i think fails is its length at uh, you know at two hours long i found myself feeling that for long periods of time we weren't dealing with dracula and it just started becoming dull at times like that so yeah i mean we will get more into it but i'm kind of on there with todd like i enjoyed it but I didn't love it. So, uh, you know, I talked about Halloween Horror Nights a lot. And for those who've never been to the event, when you go into the haunted houses, there are two type houses. There are IP houses, which are based off actual movies or TV properties. And then there are original houses, which usually have are aesthetically nice, but are pretty generic because they kind of have to tell you a story within, you know, a four minute haunt. This movie felt like one of those original ideas, the movie. It was aesthetically amazing. I really love the boat. I love the old-timey stuff. I loved uh, the characters that they set up, the lighting, the cinematography, all that fantastic. But at the same time, I felt it was a bit generic. Like, it's a story that I've seen before, and I don't necessarily think they did it the best. It's kind of like a mix of some things I liked from other stories and some things I didn't, so... I did enjoy the the film overall. I think there's some great gore. I like uh, the creature for the most part. There, I do have a few issues with him too, but I'll talk about that during the actual like kind of breakdown. And I like the characters and everything. It's just 
there was something missing. Like there was a a key element missing from this movie, and it's it's hard to put into words. There's just like a feeling where, even though I was entertained the whole time, even though I thought it was a little bit too long, I just there was something that didn't like super click with me. But I still think overall it's something that was a good watch. But I'll probably forget about it in like a month. You know, it's like one of those movies that will never cross my mind again after uh, we're done reviewing it and it, time has passed and everything like that. So that's how I feel about the movie overall. Yeah. You know, for, forgettable, honestly. And my, my biggest issue with it is it never took anything to a new, in a new direction. It was always, let's keep putting one guy on watch and he's going to die. All right. He died. Oh man. Next night, let's put one guy on watch. He died. Oh man. Like, let's let's advance ourselves guys like and how many times is the fucking knocking on the boat gonna come into play like oh they're establishing that you can communicate with dudes in the boat no matter where you're at because you can knock on the wood i'm like oh that's gonna come back it comes back like three times you're like really but uh my that's my biggest part is like the 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 plot never broke its own formula it just kept going over and over again the same thing which i don't know the i think the story in dracula about the demeanor is really cool because if you haven't read that before it's um the book is rough it's really hard to get through it hasn't aged well but it's obviously written you know 200 years ago whatever but uh they tell the story through the captain's log so that's kind of like a voiceover movie but like it's really cool because it's like it's just a little couple paragraphs in the story dedicated to this and it's just like it's really neat how it plays off and it or plays out and it kind of it sucks that they didn't capture the essence of the the quick story and they tried to expand it a little bit too much like with the lady being on board and the side quest with the doctor and things like that it's just like unnecessary because you're in essentially like you're on your own in the ship because where are you gonna go into the ocean and you're stuck with a monster like damn that's fucking terrifying but they kind of missed the mark which sucks yeah i i agree like this really had like i, I just feel like there wasn't a lot of tension here either like for a movie that you know you're stuck on a boat with fucking dracula there should have been like a lot of great tension here but really there's not you know and i i think they even didn't play enough on the paranoia on the ship as well you know like i just didn't feel the crew like like i feel like they should have been like way more scared and like panicking and kind of going at each other and i think they really could have you know there was little things here and there obviously um especially with the one guy who's like really religious on board and stuff but i think they could have went even deeper um, with that stuff and really plagued on their uh, paranoia, which, which they didn't. And I, I totally agree with you, Todd. And um, I think that is a part where this story does cut, where this movie does fail us is that it was too predictable, right? If you know this story, you, you know, you've seen this movie and I, I think they should have maybe switched up some things from the source material to kind of keep the people who know this story uh, guessing a little bit or throw them off and uh you know they didn't and uh maybe and i agree with steve like i can't put my finger on exactly why this movie didn't hit the way it should have uh, but i think that could be a part of it yeah one thing you said that really struck me as i was watching it which i totally agree with is their lack of urgency it's a fucking ship they took like what an hour and 25 minutes before they actually start looking for her like who's doing the killings on the ship? Like it's a it's not a fucking city that they're in, and they they don't know where he is. 
He's on the ship somewhere. He's not attacking in the day. Maybe he's in a box, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it makes they don't. There's no urgency to look for him until like right at the end of the movie. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Are you are you sleeping in the day? Like, what, what are you doing during the day? It's like, oh, let's do some menial chores. You know, people are getting killed on the boat, but eh, whatever. It's it's just a weird dynamic uh, throughout this whole film. It, it was like they wrote the kills, you know, like the attack scenes, and then handed it to someone else. Like, okay, just fill in the blank so we can get a movie out of this. And that's what it felt like. And it's, it's too bad because I do think that when Dracula's attacking, it's actually pretty fun. And the kills, I thought, were really good. And they went to places that I did not expect. Uh, the kid, man, I, first, I, I love that kid. I think that kid's, like, amazing. I couldn't believe they had the balls to kill, <laughs> especially in the way that they did. So kudos for that. It's just it's just too generic to get to those points. Yeah, I 100% agree. I The kid killing scene definitely shocked me. And then when they throw him off the boat and he fucking like bursts into flames, I was like, oh shit. That was awesome. They're awesome. I fucking loved them. No, like the burning scenes like were fucking legit. Like they did not, usually with that, like you'll cut away and you'll see the characters' reactions to it. But you are like on screen watching these guys and girls like burn to death and scream. It's like, holy shit. So it's like, it's such a downer that they didn't, take do more with this plot because i was expecting like a last stand kind of thing where they're in like the captain's boat and like dracula's trying to get it i don't know like there's so many directions you can go i think you eliminate a couple characters honestly like the girl it's unneeded character in this one not because she's a girl but just because her she doesn't further the plot anymore because we don't need her she's she's the person that explains to the crew what dracula is but we don't need her because we know as the audience what dracula is fucking vampire so we don't need to explain to us all they need to know is they're fucking something killing the crew on the ship and you just go with that. I think that's a better story. Just, you know, pushing it further along. And I'm pretty sure you can't just fucking give your blood to somebody without knowing your blood type. And that would have probably killed her. But I don't know. It's it's different in the 1800s. You can just take any blood. And, uh, <laughs> that's how it worked. <laughs> uh, that's how it worked, exactly. And you're right. She, she's basically just there for exposition dumping to give, like, some kind of context to the monster. But we don't need it. He's a monster killing people on the boat. Yeah, we really, we know. Like people know who fucking Dracula is. It's not like this new, brand new character they're introducing for this movie. We've all seen a hundred fucking Dracula films. We get the gist of the story without her having to essentially hash it out and explain it. But even by hashing it out and explaining, she doesn't really explain anything. So he was like a creepy guy killing people in their village, and they were sacrificing people every day to keep the peace. I guess with him. I don't know. It's just all that stuff was on. Yeah. She's a sacrifice and he's supposed to feed on her throughout the voyage. Mm-hmm. Like, that didn't work out. No, but no. You know, the the town needed someone like Gaston, dude, to just fucking right. <laughs> <That's down right. laughs> and go up there. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I think it's so funny that the dude that plays the doctor is going to be like, I'm going to hunt Dracula down, <laughs> bitch. You guys sucked at hunting Dracula down when he was on a boat contained. Like, what are you going to do in fucking London? But uh, I thought it was so fucking funny. Like, their ultimate plan was to go 100 feet in the air and shoot at him from fucking a crow's (laughs) nest. Yeah, right. In the dark with mist all around. I'm like, really? That's our plan? (laughs) Yeah, the, the, the whole... Not only was the plan bad, but the final, like, kill for Dracula, which he doesn't die was just okay i'm gonna pin him 
please stand and, right in front of this fucking yeah yeah thing. pin him in this very like convenient place and just leave him just like yeah okay well he'll he'll crash or something yeah yeah like as if he hadn't flown and could easily fucking get out of it you know he's super strong he flies and they think pinning him and laying the boat go go and crash is gonna stop him what a like the worst plan ever yeah no uh yeah so uh i mean what'd you guys think of like the look of dracula because you know they always kind of switch between when you watch movies it's either sort of this version or sort of the human version so did you guys like how he uh how they kind of went with the more animalistic version of him in this one yeah I, i think vampires are better when they're scary looking you know and not like clean cut dainty fucking englishman scholars and things like that so i really like the the evil looking version some points so it kind of looked a little goofy though I, I don't know if you guys felt that too but at some points i'm like that's the design but then it seemed to have gotten better throughout the film yeah i i kind of felt that way where he looked better in the dark and like when he's obscured or in a shadow but when you see him clearly it's like uh, <laughs> i don't know it doesn't look as good it looks a little goofier and uh i, don't know, I guess i'm picking out more of the issues with his design whereas when you only see him really quickly or in the shadows or things like that that's when he really shines so i think they should have kept him more obscure and something i'm curious what you guys think do you think the um the flying in the wings was maybe too much for this story in particular i thought it made him a little too strong and then i'm like okay how are they going to deal with this and they don't really which kind of ruins the ending in a way so did you like the design with the flying Personally, I did. I, I liked the wings. I liked him sort of like flying. I thought that was a cool take, like especially when he kills the uh, the dude when he, you know, that kind of abandoned ship, probably one of the smart ones. But yeah, I uh, know I did. I, I did like that look. What really like threw me off is like, you know, they talked about how they used an actual actor like for Dracula. I think it was Javier Botelho. Botet, I believe is his name, uh, who's like a really famous sort of actor that, you know, portrays a lot of horror characters. But I mean, they just like overdid him with CGI. So it's like, why even use, you know, an actual actor? And yeah, so I think they over CGI'd him. I think they could have really done something really creepy with good makeup work, but instead they decided to go, uh, you know, all CGI over the actor, which just seems like a waste to me. I agree. It kind of brings you back to um, like Slenderman and stuff. Like, there's no need to cheapen it with um, with CGI. Or no, wh- I, wrong character in the um, the Conjuring Two. That fucking guy. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. The the long slanky guy, the crooked man. Yeah. yeah, which was like practical, but then they made it really cheap looking with CGI. I was <laughs> right. like, what are you doing? I I I would have loved for them. I I like the flying, by the way, but I think it would have been cool if they established that like. When he first gets out, he's fucking decrepit and weak. And then, like, kind of like Cheaper Screepers, you know? Like, he eats a new body part, and he gets stronger and stronger. I think that would have been cool if they kind of explained that or or showed that a little bit better. But they did. Did they? Yeah, he's, like, almost like Gollum when he first comes out. He's, like, crawling. So I actually (laughs) watched this movie twice. Oh, my gosh. Because, well, (laughs) I watched one and a half because I intended to watch it last night after getting home from Florida, which was, like, a 12-hour fucking flight ordeal and i fell asleep like 15 minutes in so i actually rewatched uh the first 15 minutes again and then watched the rest of the movie today and i caught that the second time i didn't catch it the first time but that's probably because i was tired where he actually struggles to kill the first guy 
uh, it's just because the first guy was an idiot and he's like fucking walking right up to him basically that he was able to manage like one jump slit his throat which brought him to the floor and then he crawled to him and crawled over him and then ate him so mm-hmm. he does slowly okay. and that, that's also why you don't see his wings early on i think that's something he had to generate and they kind of explain it in the info dump that we were talking about where you know the whole thing was you know he was only there a certain amount of days and he was planning to feed on the woman until he got the last eight days so he can kill each of the crew members until he got to london uh but because he didn't have the woman he got weaker than he expected so he had to start his plan kind of earlier and that's kind of what led to the events of the film so she explains that a little bit that he needs to feed to essentially be strong and that was one of the reasons also why they want to kill him before they got to london because then he could feed and just become his best self, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, now that you mentioned the the woman too, and we really haven't talked about her a lot, you know, that she really that character really pissed me off because she of all people should be fucking going like ballistic on that boat, right? Like in a total panic. Like she's the one Dracula's been feeding off of her, but the whole time she just seems so like incredibly calm and like not like freaking the fuck out like if that was you or like mainly any person they would be like want to fucking jump off the ship they would be like we need to get the fuck off where she's just kind of like very nonchalant about it and it just didn't jive with me at all like i just was not buying it and that's another i mean it, it just i think harps back to like they just like this crew like had no sense of panic or urgency like on this boat yeah, that's a good point. She should be the one being like, you guys need to fucking listen to me. Like, we need to gun up. We need to find this. Like, they, what they should have done is toss all the fucking cargo overboard. Just like, hey, he's in one of these. <laughs> toss them all overboard. But they're so fucking stupid. I know you have to have a movie. You can't, you know, complete the movie that uh, that fast. But it's like, come on, man. So I guess my question is, why do you think ultimately this movie failed? Like, and this was like one of the biggest, this is probably the biggest flop of the year, like in theaters, like this movie, like literally it came out like a week and a half. It was already like thrown on VOD because of how poorly it did. You know, do you think it, I I think it, uh, I think the, the title is a big part of it, honestly, for me, but you know, what, what do you think? What, what, why didn't the audience, I guess, cling to this? I think the title is a big one. Um, if you don't basically say that it's about Dracula, uh, people are just not going to get it. You know, the normies, as we call them. I also think it was marketed a little weird. I don't know. It just maybe it was the time of year, you know, late late August. Uh, there's also like a burnout because by late, by August, I find especially people are kind of like, they've had all these major hits, right? Because it was like the kind of spring slash summer releases and we're not quite into the kind of halloween fall season yet so it's this like void of a month that you release almost anything and it won't do particularly well so i think it was like the bad timing bad name poor marketing and the mix of all that just made it a dud yeah i mean the tagline is on the freaking poster saying the legend of dracula begins so you gotta give him a little bit of credit and it's a clever title you know oh what's this but i don't know i think just i don't watch tv so i don't know if there's a bunch of trailers for it but did you guys ever catch any marketing 
Uh, I saw a trailer a lot in front of movies because I went to the movies quite a bit this summer. This and fucking uh, Gran Turismo, I think, was attached oh to God. every fucking film I watched <laughs> like, <laughs> this like summer. I, like, I never saw a commercial for it in, in front of any, like, football or baseball games, so I don't know if that was the wrong channel to watch, but mm. I never saw any promotional. Did you guys think the girl was going to survive? Or, like, were you surprised kind of when she eventually did turn? Because that was, that, honestly, I'm glad she did because it was pissing me off a little bit i was like how the fuck is she not turning but the rest of everyone else was if she was already bit so i'm glad that they finally turned her at the end i'm glad she died too and blood transfusion scene such bullshit (laughs) that's keeping her from turning but it kind of honestly too like i'm glad she did bite the bite the dust but it kind of came out of nowhere like all right let's go no (laughs) and then she bursts into flame like what yeah absolutely before we get to the rating though well, two things. One, I'm curious what you guys think. So I doubt we're going to see a sequel to this. It's just not going to happen. So at the end, we do see Dracula in his human-ish form. Motherfucker, I'd be like, who the hell is that? <laughs> Get the fucking sheriff down here right now. <laughs> uh, but is that a movie you would like to see? Uh, nah. Not really. I mean, I I did think it was like a cool like kind of end scene you know, but would I want to watch like a full two-hour movie of kind of this guy stalking Dracula who, like Todd said, I mean, the dude looks like a fucking circus freak sitting at the bar with everyone and everyone's just kind of like, oh no, he's got a top hat, he's cool. Yeah. In uh, <laughs> a little cane. We don't judge here in 18 uh, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, like, I mean, we've seen the story a million times of Dracula, so it's like, how different can you really make it? Yeah. Exactly. And my last thing I want to talk about before we end and we go to our ratings is what is going to be my favorite new uh, little segment here, which I'm calling Todd's Gripe for this movie. So I have two. Number one was the size of that big ass fucking needle is like it would suck that guy dry within five fucking minutes because <laughs> like it, have you, did you see how big that needle was going into the when they're doing the, the size of a fucking season? straw dude yeah like he'd be he'd be empty like in five minutes <laughs> and it would have done they would have gotten nowhere and my other one is when the first guy is burning and the i guess captain the second captain there uh he shoots his friend you know so he spares him the kind of the pain fucking shoots him he's bare he's almost ash by that point that he shoots him like like way too fucking late dude you you just you missed the boat you know you definitely missed the boat on that one you watch him scream in agony wait till he's fucking just basically just ash and then shoot him so that was a great yeah, the so, thought was there yeah that's my two Todd scribes for this episode <laughs> for this movie like Did, uh, one last note did you guys like that he didn't really talk at- i thought it was cool when he did talk like the one mm. or two times he did talk yeah i really like that do you wish he talked like more or do you like that he was kind of more of like a mute i guess dracula i think they were kind of setting up the sequel with that he probably would have talked a lot more in the sequel and made it more of a psychological battle rather than a physical battle in this one but i i like that they kept it to a few lines now i wish the lines were a little more impactful i I don't know. I don't know if I, those are the moments I would have chosen for him to say stuff, but it was still pretty cool. I, I'm glad they kept him mostly mute. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's weird. In the in the book, he's like a rich aristocrat, basically, that like wants to buy land in London. So he's 
pretty well off and he talks like a motherfucker. But um, yeah, like I said in in the opening, I think he's better as a monster than a a traditional dandy. Read it. Sure. Alrighty. Yeah, I mean, it's you know we 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 were pretty tough on it. I I think it's a decent one time watch. Is it something I'll ever revisit? Probably not. Like Steve said, I think earlier, it, it's something I'll probably forget about, you know, next year or whatever. But uh, as it stands, I'm going to give it a three out of five. I think it's a there's a decent it's a decent movie. Like I said, it looks great. Acting's great. There's just something, you know, missing here. Runtime and a, a bit dull. But overall, not not terrible. I don't hate that I watched it. Yeah, I, I don't hate that I watched it. I was bored a lot and i remember i looked at the running uh the timer and it was 37 minutes in so i was like holy shit like i have so much longer to go yeah it's a one-time watch and it's a two and a half out of five so like straight down the middle middle ground of the movies there two out of five or two and a half out of five so uh despite like kind of talking a lot about the bad things about it i did enjoy watching it i thought it had some really cool moments some great kills Loved the characters for the most part. I love that they didn't all make them assholes like they usually do for movies like this. And uh, I had a fun time watching it. My only issue is that it was pretty generic. It's a story we've seen before. And it just didn't, like, it's forgettable. And that's that's kind of a problem. You know, if I'm just really probably never going to think about this again once I'm done editing it and people discuss it on our Discord once the episode comes out and then it'll fade away into oh yeah I remember that movie about the, the vampire what was it called again i i don't remember you know so that's basically where this movie is going to end up so i gave it three and a half stars out of five i did enjoy it it's in my top 20 right now for the year but by default too forgettable no i'm, I'm actually at 70 films so You're so jesus dude <laughs> yeah all righty guys well we hope you enjoyed our review of the last voyage of the demeter next week we are going to be reviewing Steve's favorite boner, The Nun 2. Yes. So light those candles, Steve, because... I thought I was his favorite boner. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're top 20. <laughs> but yes, so yeah, get ready, Steve. I know you're going to go see it in a dark theater, you know. Yeah, pop, pop, popcorn. Oh, yeah. yes. Maybe with the yeah. hole in the bottom of the bag. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> be ready. But yeah, so we are going to be reviewing The Nun 2 next week. A highly anticipated one, I know. So yeah, go and check it out. It is now in theaters. In the meantime, you can keep up with the podcast on any of our socials Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads. Uh, just search the Horror Squad podcast. But of course, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord. Just send us a DM through any of our socials, and we'll get you a private link to our Discord. Completely and totally free to join. Amazing community over there. Movie clubs. When is the next movie club, Steve? Uh, last Friday of the month. So it's like okay, last 20, Friday, 29th or 30th or something like that. Maybe book club will come back at one point. That one's on Todd. We shall see. Um, but we, I mean, there's so much going on over there. So definitely join the discord. You can also email us anytime. If you'd like to stay anonymous, the horror squad podcast at gmail.com. 
And don't forget, leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. It would help us out greatly. And if you'd like to support us by buying some merch, we are on tpublic.com. Just search the Horror Squad podcast and you can get some merch. Also, a couple of events coming up for us. October 20th and 21st in Salem, Massachusetts. We are going to be having an event It should be announced hopefully within the next week or two. We are just working out the final details for that. And also our other event next year, we are going to be attending Living Dead Weekend, which is in June. I guess I got to write those dates down because I always forget, but it is going to be in June 2024, Living Dead Weekend in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, We're going to be checking out Dawn of the Dead, Night of Living Dead filming locations and whatnot. So hopefully you guys can make it out to that as well. And I think that is about it, ladies and gentlemen. So we will see you guys next week for The Nun Part 2. Bye. See ya. Children of the night, what a mess they make. I am counting. Dracula.